0: With that in mind, let's uh, turn to God's Word. And the passage uh, we'll be working through comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13. Uh, we'll be reading from verse 31 to 35. And as you turn there, I want to remind you of the, the reason why we're in a separate, uh, short, topical sermon series with expositional messages. The series is called uh, Relating to One Another in the Body of Christ. And uh, the, the, the theme for the series is inspired uh, from a verse or from a short passage from the book of Galatians where the Apostle Paul encourages the churches in Galatia in the midst of their theological debates uh, to consider not only to make sure that they stay faithful to the correct doctrine of Scripture, but also that they do so in godly Ways to relate to one another. So the Apostle Paul in Galatians, at the, at, towards the end of the book, he gives this correction no longer about doctrinal falling into ditches, but now about relational falling into ditches. And he gives the following words in, in Galatians 5. He says, Galatians 5 you're running well. Who has hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and that the one who's troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettled you would would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And the Apostle Paul encouraged the churches in Galatia to serve one another through love. Last week, we have considered uh, ways in which we are called by Scripture to relate to one another in the body of Christ. Last week, we considered walking in wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above. Today, the theme that we are looking at, how to relate to the body of Christ, how to relate to one another in the body of Christ is walking in love. And the passage we will be looking at is John uh, chapter 13 from verse 31 to 35. Here's God's word for us this morning. John 13, 31 to 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us. Would you bow in prayer with me, asking God to bless the preaching and the hearing of His Word. Father, You have revealed to us Your Word through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we hear these words in our midst this morning, Father, we recognize that in our own flesh, in our own human nature, we're not able to receive it. But by Your Spirit, We pray that you would work these words into our hearts. Sear them in our hearts. Put your laws upon our hearts, as you have promised to do in the new covenant. We pray that you would also help me in proclaiming this word with clarity and with the power of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Christ, we pray all this. Amen. Jesus just announced that he's leaving. And he told the disciples that they cannot follow him now where he is going. So what are they to do? What are they to do if, if Jesus will be not with them in a physical sense? Should the group disband And each one return to their prior lives? Will their following of Jesus somehow experience a, a downgrade from this moment on, becoming like a junior league experience now that their hero and captain will be leaving and no longer be physically with them? What should happen to their following of Jesus? Will it all be over? Should they just start doing it online only? You know, we can, if Jesus, if you're going to leave and not be with us physically, we might as well just continue this experience online. Do we really need to do all the, the gathering together and keep doing the things you've taught us to do? Can't we just now do it all on our own? These disciples were going to be scattered when Jesus would be arrested. They surely will be greatly bewildered and in deep disappointment and grief when Jesus will be crucified and buried. They were still going to be puzzled and in total misunderstanding on the, on the morning of the resurrection even. How should they think about themselves in this new transition of Jesus leaving them? And what should they focus on? These are the questions that they were, they were going to have in, the, in their minds, as Jesus just announced, He's leaving, and they cannot follow him where he's going, at least not for the short run. A lot of these questions, the main emphasis of these verses is unmistakably clear. Their aim. The aim of these verses, and the aim of the teaching of Jesus at this moment, is to instill in his disciples the priority to love one another. And this is my hope and prayer for us today. That these words that Jesus gives to his disciples would recalibrate in us the priority to love one another. As we look at this text you will notice that the command to love one another is repeated three times in two verses. And each time when it's introduced there is a new element added to it. So these three repetitions with the new elements added to them will provide the three points of the message this morning. One could summarize this message in the and the the outline in the following way the what the how and the why of loving one another the what the how and the why of loving one another let's look at the what what should be our priority jesus commands his disciples to love one another. The mere repetition of this command three times in such a short space gives us a clue to its importance. Parents, when you have to repeat something to your children three times in a very short span of time, why do you do that? Well, you might say perhaps that the children, their attention span is elsewhere and they need to be brought here with their attention to really pay attention to what you're saying. Perhaps it's because of the need to really hammer something down, to really instill its importance and priority. Perhaps it needs to explain some of the, the, the how and the why as well. The bottom line is we we repeat something to point to its importance, to point to its priority. But did you also notice that Jesus introduced this command three times with the phrase, a new commandment I give you? Why is it new? Well, for sure, uh, it's not new to the Bible. Uh, The Bible has introduced the command to love others as early as the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, is an incredible passage on the five languages of love. It's not written by Gary Chapman. It's, it's written by the Lord. And, uh, and there are some wonderful ways in which Leviticus 19 tells us how to love uh, each other. And if you want to know details about that, come this evening to our conversation on understanding social justice be one of the vertex that we'll be looking at. So the Bible has spoken, has spoken about the need and the command to love one another. Why is it a new commandment here? Why is Jesus introducing it as a new commandment? Well, for one, there's a number of answers. But for one, uh, this is the first time in the book of John that Jesus actually speaks about the command to love one another. Uh, the, the, the notion of love in the Gospel of John has appeared before. But every time it has appeared, most of the time it refers to God or Jesus loving. God so loved the world. God loved His Son. The Son loves the Father. So far in the book, the, the, the references to love has, have been referring to God or Jesus when love was mentioned in reference to people in the Gospel of John up to this point, most of the time it referred to people loving wrong things, like loving, people loving darkness, or people loving their own lives, or people loving the glory they received from others. Only one time so far, there's a reference to people loving Jesus. But now Jesus introduces a new positive object of our love. We are to love not only Jesus, but we are to love one another. Jesus announces here in in this context that he is going to go away. And the question is, why would Jesus bring up the reference to love Loving one another in a context where he just tells them, he told the disciples that he is going away. Well, if we read the context uh, right before this moment, Jesus uh, washed the disciples' feet. He told them that one of them would betray him, and in the in the washing of the disciples' feet, Jesus also inaugurated the new covenant, or spoke about the new covenant. That, the, that he will instill through the shedding of his blood. So the, the new covenant that Jesus is hinting at through instituting the, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, at the Last Supper, is a context in which now Jesus gives a new commandment. The covenant that Moses had, or the covenant that God gave through Moses, had its commandments. Now Jesus is about to execute a new covenant. And now he gives a new commandment associated with a new covenant. But notice that when he introduces a new commandment, he announces first that he's leaving and the disciples cannot come with him, at least not now. Jesus spoke about his death. In verses 31 to 33. And he spoke of it as a time for Jesus to be glorified. In other words, this was a clue that his death was not the end. His death was the path for his glorification. And for God's glorification as well. And then Jesus made it plain to his disciples that where he's going now they cannot come. Later, in verse 36... Jesus clarified to Peter that where he's going now, they cannot come, at least not now, but they will come later. And as Jesus tells him in chapter 14. Well, in giving the news that Jesus is going to a place where they cannot come to be with him, not yet, in the middle of delivering that news, Jesus gives them this command to love one another. And it's a way... Like Jesus saying the following, you can't come with me now, but here's what you must focus on and do instead, love one another. Now, Peter gets all bent out of shape. If we keep reading verse 36, you can just imagine Peter's frustration, Lord, where are you going? Lord, why can't I not follow you now? Now? Do you hear Peter's protest? Lord, what do you mean? You're leaving us and we cannot follow you now. The command to love one another is introduced when Jesus says, you can't come with me now. Imagine for a second, and, and moms, you probably will understand this the most. Mom, imagine that you One to go out of the house, perhaps to do some shopping, or just to have some time for yourself. And you're leaving the kids with dad. And the kids say, Mom, we want to come with you. And you're saying, Honey, you cannot come with me right now. You need to stay home. I need to go. You cannot come with me. But you need to stay with daddy. Because daddy's going to play with you. And you need to play with your brothers. And you just need to stay home and make sure you do this. Moms, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are nodding your head. You can't come with me now, but you must do this instead. That's what Jesus is giving his disciples right now. You can't come with me now. But here's what you need to do in the interim. Do you hear the priority that Jesus is giving to the disciples and what he's calibrating for them? Some Christians fall in the trap of being so spiritually minded, being so focused on wanting to be with Jesus, even physically speaking, that they forget that Jesus gave his disciples a new commandment that orients their love not merely towards the Lord, but also towards each other. The love for God should never come in isolation. When we genuinely love God, that love will also begin flowing horizontally towards each other. Some may be so focused on their personal or private spiritual encounters with the Lord that they have no time or affection for the people of God such one-sided affections for God are a distortion. And yet, how often this distortion is spreading around us, thinking that we can be spiritual and be okay in our focus on Jesus, and yet forget that Jesus calls us to love Him, not in isolation, but to love Him and love those who follow Him. Friends, in this time of the of the pandemic or post-pandemic if, we, if we're really posted. I don't think we're yet post-pandemic. But as, as, as this time, on this side of, of, of our experiences, we have gotten used to getting spiritual nourishment in our private experiences. Watching services from home, getting used to the very limited interactions with each other. It's easy after a season of that, And by the way, I am grateful that we can use technology, that we have been able to use technology to encourage one another and to provide spiritual nourishment when we were not able to gather. I don't want to speak ill of that. I'm grateful to God for what we have been able to do. But I wonder after a season, a year plus of that, I wonder if we have gotten used to a privatized and isolated experience of following Jesus, even unintentionally. It would be easy for us to simply satisfy our hearts with our longings for Jesus. Some might think, I can just hold on to Jesus and it would be enough. But Jesus would say to us, it's not. You must love one another. It's not simply enough to long to be with Jesus. This is my new commandment, Jesus would say. Love one another. I wonder if there are some people here who have bought into the notion that you and Jesus in isolation is all you need. That somehow, just holding on to Jesus is all you need to be concerned about and forget about others. Friends, a new commandment that Jesus gives to his disciples in this moment when he says, I can no longer be with you and you cannot be with me physically because where I'm going now, you cannot come with me now. This new commandment, this new setting becomes a new priority for us as well while Jesus is physically away from us. This new priority breaks down our assumption that it's okay to hold on to Jesus in an isolated way. Uh, when members of this congregation move to a different city, this is why we, are, we challenge each other that upon moving to a different city, you should look immediately to find a new church where you can live out the commandment to love one another in a covenanted way. It's not enough to assume that we can hold on to Jesus apart from seeking to love one another in the company of a local church. That's why I'm so encouraged by what Ruth has done. But Peter and the disciples missed picking up the priority on loving one another. The, I, I wonder if you notice, we, we haven't read the rest of the chapter, um, but if we kept reading, you would notice that as soon as Peter hears this commandment, he's not asking about the commandment. He's not making any comments about the commandment. All he can think about is, whoa, 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 Jesus, wait. What do you mean? We cannot follow you. It's as if Peter totally missed the commandment. And actually, I think he did. That's why the rest of chapter 14, Jesus is actually taking time to clarify Peter's follow-up questions and the questions of the other disciples about the fact that he's leaving. And then in chapter 15, Jesus brings up again the command to love one another chapter 15, Jesus spoke about how the disciples were, to, were, were going to be able to bear much fruit if they stay connected to Jesus. And the question is, well, wait, if you're going to be away, Jesus, physically, how are we going to be connected to you? And Jesus makes it clear, if you abide in me and in my word. If, how do we do that? Through doing what Jesus commanded. And then Jesus reminded them what he commanded. He says in verse 12 of chapter 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another. And then he brings this commandment again in in verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. It's as if Jesus says, I told you the new commandment in chapter 13. You missed it. You were interested about other details. I'm coming back to that commandment. I don't want you to miss that commandment. And now Jesus reminds them that even though he will be physically away from them, they will be able to, be, to stay connected with him, not through the sensory experiences, but through doing what he commanded them. And that is, first and foremost, to love one another. This means the way for us to stay connected to Jesus is by loving one another. Friends, I wonder if we too are like the disciples who easily miss the command to love. And we prefer to be curious about other parts of what Jesus taught. There's nothing wrong about that. Being curious and wanting answers about other parts of God's word is a good thing. And it's understandable to be curious about that which shocks us. It's understandable to be curious about that which troubles us and about that which we need explanation for. That's very common. It's very understandable. But in the process, we can easily miss out on the new commandment to love one another. That's why Jesus brings it up again two more times in chapter 15. And the application for us is the following. It's as if Jesus would say to us, My children, I know you're troubled by many things. I know you're curious about many aspects of what I have taught you. And you're wondering, how do these things apply? How do these things match together? And I'll tell you about them, but I don't want you to forget about the new priority of my my new commandment for the new covenant. Friends, what are the themes and issues that are heavy on your heart these days that you are seeking explanation for, that trouble you? There's plenty of stuff out there to be troubled by. There's plenty of things to be curious about. And it's, if there are things that we're trying to understand from a biblical perspective, those are good things. Our churches... Uh, American evangelicalism, our society is is struggling to understand racial reconciliation. We're working through understanding the the social justice movement. There's political tensions. There's a host of things that we can wonder and think through. How do we as Christians think about those matters from a biblical perspective? And we should think about them from a biblical perspective. But at the end of the day... I want us to see what Jesus is doing to say, but don't forget about the new commandment I have given you, love one another. Friends, I pray that as we consider all that Jesus has taught us, that we would not be like Peter who missed the new commandment and that we would be brought back to it. So what is the new priority? It's the commandment to love one another. This is the priority of the new covenant community. That Jesus has uh, created through his blood. But how should we love one another? How should we love one another? This is the second time that Jesus brings up the commandment to love one another. He now tells us how. He is adding a qualification and the qualification is in verse 34. He says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. I actually believe that one of the reasons why the commandment Jesus gives, one of the reasons why this commandment is a new commandment, is because for the first time we get this qualification, which is slightly different than what was given in the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus, the commandment was love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment has a new element. Love one another as I have loved you. This is now a new level. This is a new dimension. This means that the love we are to have for one another is not to be defined on our own terms. That even our own love for ourselves is not a sufficient standard for how to love others. That our love for one another should not be defined by our own level of love. It should not be defined by our own level of convenience. The kind of love that Jesus says that I'm asking you to have for each other is the love I have had for you. Love each other as I've loved you. And the question is, well, how did Jesus love his disciples? If we look at the context of the Gospel of John, the before and after of this text, we're going to notice three definitions or three explanations of how Jesus loved his disciples. The first one shows up at the very beginning of chapter 13. Verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them To the end. How did Jesus love his disciples? With an enduring love. A love that does not stop. A love that keeps on loving. This means that the love we are to have for one another should be an enduring love. A love to the end. Is this a kind of love that we have for each other? Our love is often so fickle and dependent on what others do. Our love so easily gets bent out of shape if someone else steps on our toes, if someone else says something that's hurtful to us, if someone else does something that's hurtful to us. And notice Verse 1 of chapter 13, when it says that Jesus loved them to the end, it's right before the washing of the feet. It's right before Jesus says to the disciples, one of you will betray me. It's right before Jesus tells Peter that Peter himself will deny the Lord three times. Before all that happens, we are told that Jesus loved his disciples and he loved them to the end oh my brothers and sisters what is the kind what is the love that we should have for one another the kind of love that Jesus had was an enduring love if Christians would take this to heart how would that change the quality of our relationships knowing that some of those relationships in some of them will encounter betrayal hurt difficulties how would even just christian marriages be if christian husbands and christian wives would love one another with this kind of love that's unenduring love a love to the end are there ever reasons why you should be tempted to stop loving someone else you bet If Jesus had them, we'll have them. But the model of how Jesus loved is the model that we should love to the end. Friends, is there someone in your life that you have stopped loving? Perhaps someone towards whom you have put a pause on your love for them. Is there someone in your life that you need to begin loving again with the love that Jesus has had for you? Would you like Jesus to love you the way you are willing to love one another? Would you like Jesus to trade in His love for you with your love for one another. Just think about that when you're tempted to put pause on loving someone. Say, is this how I would like Jesus to love me? Perhaps that might help you in the moments of difficulty to love someone else to the end, to remind yourself yourself. I need Jesus to love me to the end and therefore I need to love someone else to the end. If you want Jesus to love you to the end, why would you not like to love someone else also to the end as well? A second way that Jesus showed his disciples that he loved them is that he loved them With God's love. Later in in this discourse, by the way, chapters 13 to chapter 17 is all one speech. Given the night before Jesus was betrayed. Later in the same teaching, in chapter 15 verse 9, Jesus told us how he loved us. A second way Jesus loved us, listen to 15.9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Do you hear how Jesus loved us? And then he says, Abide in my love. The love that Jesus showed us is the love that the Father has shown Jesus. Perhaps this is why the love that Jesus has for the disciples is an enduring love. It's a love to the end because the love of the Father for the Son is also an eternal, enduring love. It's amazing that Jesus tells us where he gets his love from. The model of the love of Jesus for us is the love the Father has for the Son. It's an eternal love, an enduring love. The Father also loved the Son by holding nothing back from the Son. And Jesus loved his disciples by holding nothing back from them. And Jesus calls his disciples to remain in his love Oh, friends, Jesus loved us with a love that God the Father had for God the Son. So when we are called to love in the way that Jesus loved us, we are reflecting to each other the love of the Father for the Son and then the way the Son loved us. Oh, friends, our love for one another is to be a reflection of the eternal love of God the Father for the Son. This is the kind of love we should have for each other. And then thirdly, a third clear distinction that we see how Jesus loved his disciples. So he loved them to the end. He loved them with God's love. Thirdly, Jesus loved them self-sacrificially. Chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And then Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. The next day, Jesus was going to lay his life down for his friends. This is not just a theoretical model of love. Jesus was actually going to do the very definition of how he defines love. Greater love has no one than this. that someone lay down his life for his friends. Oh, friends... Jesus loved us and his followers by giving up his life for them. This is love. Self sacrificing. Not merely some things that we have, Jesus sacrificed everything. His body pierced, nails pierced through his hands, crucifying him, everything. And then Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. What was the command? To love one another. Oh, friends. Jesus defines what love is, and he did it through his own life, being crucified, killed, buried. Is our love for each other self-sacrificial? We may not be called to die physically in showing such love to one another, though there are Christians around the world who pay with their lives for being a christian just hearing the risk that elaf had to stand up a few months ago in the midst of her family during ramadan to tell them that she has become a christian what a risk that's really real is our love for each other self sacrificial we may, here in the West, may not be called to die physically for our faith, but may I say to you, we all are called to die to self. Otherwise, there's, it's impossible for us to actually be a Christian in the first place. Dying to self is part of repentance of becoming a Christian. And dying to self is the the manifestation of what it means for, say, we put all our eggs in the basket called Jesus. His sacrifice for us is a sufficient means to make us right with God. It's because of what He has done to give Himself fully that we are made right with God and therefore there's nothing I can do or need to do to earn that salvation. He has earned it in full all I can do is out of gratitude now declare there's nothing I'm holding back. I'm giving it to Jesus. When we surrender ourselves, it's not a means of buying salvation. It's a means of acknowledging that we truly have understood that Jesus has done it all. Oh, friends, if our love for each other is not a sacrificial, self-sacrificial love, we are simply loving in a self-centered way. We are loving in a way that protects the self. We may not be sacrificing our physical lives, but we are called to sacrifice ourselves. And the, to love like Jesus is impossible without being willing to die to ourselves. There's a way we can love like Jesus. And there's a way to remain selfish in our love. People can try to love each other selfishly. And this happens all the time. We love others as an exchange of favors. We love others as long as they love us too. We love others to put relational capital in the bank now so we can withdraw later. It's a transactional kind of love. We love others as long as it's convenient. We can love others in hypocritical ways. Uh, This is a love that puts up a face, pretending to love others on the outside, doing the nice things that are relationally acceptable and seen as nice and helpful. But on the inside, we actually harbor bitterness and carelessness and genuine lack of love. This is why the Apostle Paul challenged believers to make sure that the love that we have for one another is a love that is sincere or without hypocrisy. We can try to put on a front of loving others. But it is, it is love that simply appears loving without actually being loving. But this is not how Jesus loved us. He loved us sacrificially Giving himself for us. Friends, have you considered that part of loving one another sacrificially starts with our time? So that we have chances to get to know each other, to hear how how we're doing in our lives. Loving one another sacrificially starts with sacrificing our schedules. Being willing to spend time with each other. Consider the fact that if your weekly schedule looks exactly like your neighbor's, or your unchristian neighbor's schedule, something is wrong. That, that if you're not actually taking time out of your week to say, I want to spend time with my brothers and sisters because I love them. Some of them may be difficult to love. Some of them may be harder to be around. But I love them and I need to spend time with them. When you're coming to services on Sunday, consider sacrificing of your time to come early and to leave late. Don't come in quickly right before the service starts and then leave right away after the service ends. Consider actually inconveniencing your Sunday schedule so you can actually stick around and talk to others. Consider also reaching out to members during the week, calling those who are sick, visiting them. Uh, Consider calling or visiting those who are not yet able to regather with us on Sunday mornings. When was the last time that you've invited someone to visit you in your home? When was the last time you had another brother or sister from this congregation visit you in your home? I understand the pandemic for many of us has sort of shut us down, but as we're coming out of this season, consider inviting each other into our homes. How can we love one another sacrificially if we don't know what's going on in each other's lives? Loving one another is not merely spending time for mere socializing, but also to do each other spiritual good. Uh, loving one another is attending to each other's needs. Those needs could be physical needs, like when getting sick, providing meals. I'm so thankful for uh, our sister, Kelsey Worley, who's organizing our meal trains. When someone is getting sick, we put up a schedule so we can know how to help each other. Or or getting rides or spending time with, with others when they're not able to spend time with us. We take the initiative to go and see them. How about considering ways to provide for emotional needs? Understanding the burdens that someone is carrying. Spending time to listen to their hurts. But also consider providing help to others, loving others by being a spiritual encouragement. Have you considered that the work of discipleship, whether it's one-on-one or small groups or other means of discipleship, is one way that we love each other? For those of you who have been discipled and have been impacted by one-on-one discipleship or small group discipleship, how much good has that done to you? And you felt loved when someone else invested time in, in meeting with you and, and helping you follow Jesus better. Consider that one way we love one another well is by sacrificing of ourselves to invest in discipling others. Oh, friends, consider another way also. And this one is Counterintuitive. One of the ways we show love to one another is not only by offering help to others or providing for their needs or being there to assist them in in their journey. One of the ways we can actually love one another well is by being vulnerable with our own needs. When we hide our needs, when we hide our weaknesses we pretend that we are self-sufficient. Our society loves that. Friends, it is not loving to pretend like we're self-sufficient. When we show our vulnerable sides, we actually act in trust towards others, trusting that we can rely on them for help. And in our super self-sufficient society, one of the ways we can grow in loving one another is actually by opening up our lives to let them know of our weaknesses. I pray that we would grow in loving one another like Jesus loved us. Dear brothers and sisters who are members of this congregation, have you considered that even our own membership covenant, the second Commitment of our covenant says we will be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And he describes with humility and gentleness, we will bear patiently with each other, forgiving, encouraging, building one another up and exercising watchfulness over each other and admonishing one another when necessary. Eight dimensions, applications of loving one another. So that means if we're members of this congregation, we are committed committing ourselves to love each other in the way of christ for those of you who are not members of this congregation we encourage you to consider joining a church that loves one another in this way whether it's here or another congregation if you have not turned to the lord if you're not repenting and trusting in christ this kind of love is only possible for those who first have turned to jesus and if you have not done so we would plead with you to do that first And then commit to the body of Christ, a local congregation. We've seen how to love one another. This this has been the, the longest part of the message. There's a third part, a much shorter part, a third point. Why is it essential to love one another? The third time Jesus brings up the command to love one another, he tells us why. And he says in verse 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What does our love for one another accomplish? Well, it accomplishes a number of things. It builds one another up in the word. It encourages others. But one of the things it does, it's a proof that we are disciples of Jesus. It's a proof that we are disciples of Jesus. 1 John 3.10 Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother." 1 John 3:14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Love for each other is evidence that we have been saved. How do you know that you truly have been saved? Examine to see if in your heart you have affections for the people of God, if you love them. But our love for one another is also is proof not only to ourselves that we are saved, it's also a proof to everyone else that we are followers of Jesus. So it not only builds up the others, but it's an evangelistic tool for telling others that we are followers of Christ. Oh, friends, how we love one another is so essential that Jesus makes it the distinguishing mark for the followers of Jesus before a watching world. This means that when we love one another well like Jesus loved us, when that is part of our DNA of our life together, that actually makes us effective evangelists. We show others that we follow Jesus through all the ways we inconvenience each other to love others like Jesus loved us. So how well we focus on our love for each other is one of the authorized ways that Jesus gave us to be a beacon to the dying world. Actually, our love for one another is one of the criteria Jesus gives to the world to let them judge if we truly are followers of Jesus. This is not just a criteria for us to know about ourselves. This is the criteria Jesus says the world will know. This is how they'll judge you and to see whether or not you are truly my disciples. Are you loving one another? Friends, this means we don't have to choose between evangelism and loving Christians well. When we love each other well, it becomes conspicuous that something is different about us. And when we love each other well, it opens doors for evangelism. Friends, consider the fact that actually loving each other well is a way to be good evangelists. Christ's evangelism strategy is not merely the Great Commission, but also our love for one another. So do you want to grow in your evangelism? Start by growing in showing the love of Christ in your relationships. Do uh, do others see you having... Different values, different ways of relating to others, do they see that? Or are you loving others just like everybody else loves others? Consider the, impo- the powerful testimony that our love relationships to each other can have for the cause of Christ. So how should we relate to one another in the body of Christ? Last week we saw that we're called walking wisdom. Today, we saw that we were called to walk in love, in the what, what is the priority, in the how, like Jesus loved us, and in the why, for the sake of evangelism. Let's pray.